Thank you, Pastor Adriel. And thank you all for being here. I am super, super excited to kick off this series about how Jesus brings good news. We need good news, don't we? My goodness. I had to delete all the news apps on my phone because every time I open the news, you know what I see? Bad news, and I get sad and depressed. Praise God that Jesus brings us good news, amen? I mean, come on. This is Easter Sunday. We are celebrating that the tomb is empty, that we are no longer in our sins, that we are saved in Jesus. He brings us good news. Now, we're going to be looking at a text later today, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and there's a, there's a word in, in one of the key verses that we're going to look at called uh, pity, and I want you to think about that word for a second. It just kind of means you feel bad for somebody, particularly if somebody is suffering, if somebody is struggling struggling, you feel bad for somebody. You feel bad, that's pity. So I have an example uh, of pity for us to look at this morning, and that would be the Detroit Lions. For those of you that don't know, the Detroit Lions are a football team in the National Football League, professional football, and uh, they stink. They, they are not very good. You know, they, they don't win very many games, and in fact, a few years ago, they didn't win any games. And that's that's really hard to do. You know, you, you play you play 16 games and you have a team full of professional football players and they didn't win a single game. So the Detroit Lions, they are an example of pity. They are they are there's someone that we would pity, we would say, Oh, we feel bad for the Detroit Lions because they are so bad. And we, we pity their fans. We feel bad for their fans that have to watch the Detroit Lions every Sunday. But, it, but this is their year, right? Right, Adriel? Right? This is the year. I know. I know. I know. All right. All right. Let me give you another example of, of pity. And this one you say, oh, pity that little dog, that cute little dog. Who, who would put that cute little dog in that crate like that? Just locked up in a cage. You know, you, you we have pity because the dog looks so cute and, and innocent and some mean owner put her in a crate. Well, let me tell you, let me show you another picture. Let me show you another picture that has to do with pity. And it's this one. See, that's the same dog. And you know what happens when that dog gets let out of that crate? My whole living room looks like that dog bed. That's why the dog is in the crate whenever we're gone. Because if, if we leave her out, then my couch will look like that. My shoes will look like that. My kids' toys will look like that. And, and, and so the one you should be pitying isn't the little dog. You know you should be pitying? Me, because I have to own that dog. I have to deal with that dog. I'm betting you can guess from our icebreaker question in your groups earlier if I am a cat person or a dog person. Yes, yeah, so now you, you have a little idea of the word pity. Now, so in our text today, we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians 15 later. And, and there's a verse that from 1 Corinthians 15 I want to introduce to you now. It says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, if only on this earth while we're living on this you know, this planet Earth, for this life, we have hope in Christ. If, if it's only for this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. So, so what, what, what the Bible's saying is if that, 
Jesus didn't rise from the dead, which is what chapter 15 is all about. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we are like the Detroit Lions. In fact, we are worse off than the Detroit Lions, right? That's the Bible says we should be pitied more than anyone in the world if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And and what I want you to know today is that Jesus brings you eternal life. That's the name of the sermon today. Because the tomb is empty, because it is Easter, because Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus brings you eternal life. There's life beyond this one. We have hope for Christ, hope in Christ in this life, and for all of eternity, that is what we get to spend with Jesus because he rose from the dead. This text in 1 Corinthians 15 will go on later to say that everything we do in church, including this worship service, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, it means nothing. So for the next six minutes, we're going to break you back into your groups. We value community here at Mosaic, and we want you to talk about these two things. Describe your worst pet catastrophe. And let me tell you, I, I got a pick from, I might give my group my top 10 uh, with this dog. Uh, number two, how does hope of eternal life with Jesus help with the struggles of this life? So discuss that and I'll be back up in six minutes. All right. All right. Well, come on back to me. Come on back to me. Hopefully you had a great discussion in your group. There's three things I want us to cover in the, the time we have this morning, uh, in the next few minutes. One, we want to, I, I want you to know that Jesus rose from the dead. Number two, I want you to know that this brings you eternal life. That's the name of this series. The good news of Jesus is Jesus brings you eternal life if you believe. And number three, I want to show you that I don't believe this could be made up. This would be a really, really hard story to make up. So that's where we're going to be going. Uh, if you want to open up your Bible, you can. And Pastor Adriel is going to be proud of me because I brought a paper Bible today. A paper Bible. That's right. I'm maturing in my faith. I'm growing closer to the Lord. I have a paper Bible. But feel free uh, to open it up on your app. You can certainly just watch uh, on the screen here. Uh, but we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, kind of all over the chapter. It's a long chapter. We're going to start in the middle. Now, uh, it says this, so I'm, I'm not going to read from here. I'm going to read from the screen because I've chopped it up a little bit. It says, and if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You are, in, you are still in your sins, if only for this life we have hope in Christ. Here's our verse, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, uh, this just if you're new to the Bible, when you see something like 1 Corinthians, uh, that's a letter that was written to one of the early churches, a city called Corinth, which is still around in the country of Greece. And a guy named Paul, who was an apostle, he, he saw Jesus resurrected, and he, he was writing letters to these churches, teaching them about Jesus. So that's where we get 1 Corinthians from. Now, what's, what's wild about this text is if we go through here, there's six things in this text that tell us if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, it's not a six-point sermon, don't worry. I'm just going to point out the, 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 these phrases in this text that, that Paul says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, 
check this out, our preaching is useless. Think of every sermon you've ever heard, every sermon I've ever delivered, every sermon Pastor Adriel's ever delivered, every sermon Mark Tawney's ever delivered. I see you back there, Pastor. Useless, worthless. Every sermon you've, around the world right now, churches are celebrating the resurrected Christ. Isn't that awesome? The whole world, there's churches celebrating the empty tomb. Every one of those services, every one of those sermons, completely worthless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. He says, so is your faith. Everything you believe in, all that faith you have, completely useless. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God. Not only is it useless, we are liars. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, everything I'm telling you about God is a lie. That's pretty deep. Paul's getting pretty deep here. For we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. It is futile. There is futility in your faith. Now, I want to I give an example of, of futility. So, Josh, come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up. I pulled Josh out of kids' ministry. He's got his, his kid's shirt on because I wanted to make fun of him in my sermon. Okay, jo- jo- <laughs> he's going to start amening again. Josh and I went to college together over at Cornerstone. Josh played basketball. He was, were you the best player on the team? Could I call you that? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I believe, I, I believe so. He was definitely a star on our basketball team. I did not play basketball. So that was, we're getting up there. That was almost 20 years ago. So Josh was, Josh was, Josh was really good at basketball, and, and that's not my sport. That's not my sport. There's no way I could take Josh on. This is a great sermon, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're going like to like this next point. If you're taking notes, write this down. I thought about this recently, and I said, I'm in a lot better shape than Josh now. That, <laughs> I thought, man, jo- you know, I bet you 20 years later, I could probably take this guy. I could probably take this guy. And so we were having our Bible study here, you know, church plant. We've been doing this for a few months now. And, and Josh and I were playing a little basketball, and I thought, this is my time. Yeah. This, is, this is my time. I like I, I've, I've progressed beyond. I've progressed beyond. We're playing a little 21. Let me tell you something. I've never played basketball with anybody as good as Josh Liggins. Uh, he, 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 keep it going. Keep it going. No, no. So as we, as we played um, a couple months ago, I felt like a little child. And, and, and like Josh was an NBA all-star. And he's wearing jeans. And I said, man, how can you play basketball in jeans? He said, oh, I'm wearing these just to kind of, so, so, so I, uh, what'd you say? So just slow me down. So slow me down a little bit. I don't want, because we were playing with some teens. He said, I don't want to show anybody up. So I'm wearing jeans kind of to slow me down. And I realized what futility was. Um, I, playing basketball against Josh was, was, was an effort in futility on my part. So now I'm just only playing with Kyle only, and, and that's all I'm doing from here on out. Because uh, I cannot defeat Josh in basketball. Thank you, brother. Aww. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so, so this picture of futility, I mean, I legitimately thought about a, like a middle school basketball team trying to play against the NBA All-Stars. You, that would be ridiculous. It would be, it, w- it would be a ridiculous effort. That's what Paul's trying to get you to picture when he says that, that your faith is futile, futile if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. It gets worse, though. You're still in your sins. See, we've rebelled against God. And all the religions of the world, they try to figure out a way to fix that. So God is holy, we're not. 
most all of the world religions believe that. And there's this huge separation between God and us. Most all the world religions believe that. The difference is that most all of the world religions tell you, you have to earn your way back up to God. Be good, do good, earn your way to God, and eventually you'll make it, and God will, will be counting everything you do. You did a good thing there. You did a bad thing there. You did a good thing there. Oh, two bad things here. Uh-oh, you're losing now. Can you imagine living under that kind of pressure? You can never earn your way back up to God. Paul says if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you're still in your sins. It's bad, 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 bad. The final exam before God is an F if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, what that verse is saying is you should not be here this morning. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you should be home sleeping in your bed. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you, the world should make fun of you. You should be mocked. Because look how dumb we are to come together, to worship God, to do church, to be here together. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we should be the most pitied amongst anyone in the world. Now, one thing, a point I want to make about this text is there's no belief in Scripture set this high in all of Scripture. This is the only place in Scripture where it says, if this didn't happen, everything else doesn't count. So if you're sitting here this morning and you have doubts in your faith, and I do too. It's okay. If you have doubts in your faith and they're stopping you from receiving Jesus into your life, if they're stopping you from receiving Jesus as your Savior, you say, I don't know about the creation of the world stuff. I don't know about some of those stories in the Bible. I'm telling you, this scripture is giving you permission to put all that aside and just look at the empty tomb and ask yourself, did Jesus raise from the dead? Start there. It is the number one most important belief. This couldn't be made up. Here's why I don't think this could be made up. If I were to tell you that Michigan, the state, let's say for one of my discussion questions I said, uh, how did Michigan acquire the Upper Peninsula? Does anybody know? Let me tell you how it happened. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, 2002, Michigan and Canada got in a war. It was a big war. There was, there was lots of casualties, and we fought Canada, and we won the Upper Peninsula, 2002. I graduated high school in 2001, 2002, we won the Upper Peninsula from Canada. Amen? Anyone believe that? Come on. You don't believe me? You wouldn't believe me? Joel's got me. He's like, yes, pastor. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't you believe me? Why wouldn't you believe me that that happened 20 years ago? You'd have heard about it. You were alive. You were, you were like, you know that didn't happen. Right? Like, you, it's part of your lifetime. If I started rattling, I'm like, no, no, no. Kyle was there. Kyle was there. He fought in the battle. Well, maybe not Kyle. He's a little young. <laughs> if I said Kyle was there, what, what would you do? You could go ask him. Say, Adriel was there. He saw it happen. You just go ask him. You'd be like, Adriel, did that happen? Noah said you were there. He'd be like, Noah's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't be putting my name on there. Well, look at what Paul does. 
Look what Paul does when he talks about the resurrection of Jesus, okay? He's, um, he says, for what I, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's verses three through four. We date those verses within a year of Jesus' resurrection. Before there was a New Testament, those three verses were spoken in the early church. This is the good news of Jesus. And they were passed on to Paul, who wrote them down in scripture, and now are passed on to us. So we're talking within a year of Jesus' resurrection, we know that the early church was saying this when they got together. He continues in, in verse five, which, which is right around that where it says and. He says, and then he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is another word for Peter. It's just the Hebrew word for rock, which is Peter's name. So he says, look, he appeared to Peter. You all know Peter, he's the leader of the church. So he's saying, go ask Peter. He appeared to Peter. And then to the 12, go ask the 12. You know the 12, they're still leading the church. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, some have fallen asleep. There would have been about a 20 year gap from when this was written down to when the events of the resurrection happened. And Paul's simply saying, he's going out of his way to say, most of those people are still alive that Jesus appeared to. Your aunt and uncle, they were there. Your grandfather was there, your cousin was there, maybe you were there. And people are gonna come ask you, say, Paul's naming you, did this really happen? Then he appeared to James, another name, then to all the apostles, and then last he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. That's because Paul wasn't one of the original apostles. Paul is naming names. He's saying, Jesus resurrected, go ask these people. You know that Michigan didn't get the Upper Peninsula from Canada 20 years ago because it was in your lifetime. You could easily prove me as a fraud. Paul sets up the resurrection in a way where he couldn't be proven as a fraud because he named hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other people that saw Jesus resurrect that are still in the very community that Paul was writing to. It's almost like he's saying, how many more people do I need to list? How many more witnesses do you need until you will believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Now remember, verses 14 to 19 is after this. The verses that said, if this didn't happen, all of it is wasted. All of your faith is useless. Now, there's several other reasons I think we can say Jesus rose from the dead. I don't have time to get into all of them. But one of them was that the apostles were chickens when Jesus died on the cross. There was only a little handful of disciples at the cross. The rest of them, scripture says, were locked behind a door saying, oh no, I hope they don't get us next. Literally the door was locked. Oh no, we're scared. And then Jesus resurrects from the dead and we see in scripture that those same apostles are boldly in the street saying, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is God, Jesus is Messiah. They're like, we're gonna kill you next. And they say, we don't care what happened. What made them go from little scared chickens to bold declarers of Jesus? When Jesus was on the earth, he had a bunch of low-income, middle-income followers, people that weren't known people, people that weren't influencers in the first century. By the time he died, he had about a handful left at the cross. Five weeks after the resurrection, 10,000 followers of Jesus. What happened to go from five to 10,000 in five weeks? What happened? Something had to happen. The Sabbath that the Jews held for, for centuries, for millennia, the Sabbath changed from Saturday to Sunday. 
Because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, Easter Sunday. What would have made Jews switch their most sacred day of a Saturday to a Sunday? Something had to happen. Now, in the time we have left, I want you to know that because of Jesus' resurrection, Jesus brings you eternal life. I hope in the few short minutes I've had, I've given you some evidence from scripture that, wait a second, something had to happen. This religion didn't just come out of nowhere. By the way, the early founders of Christianity were killed for their faith. There was not earthly motivation. They were not given wealth and prestige and power. They were given the cross themselves. Some were, 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 were dragged behind chariots until they died, the Roman Colosseum. Christians were fed to lions. Something happened where this religion didn't just come out of nowhere. These followers of Jesus didn't come out of nowhere. Something happened. Jesus resurrected from the dead. And because of that, he brings you eternal life. Because of that, he brings you eternal life. And I want to focus this in on this. As we prepare ourselves for communion, we're going to prepare ourselves for a prayer invitation here in a moment. This is the end of 1 Corinthians 15. It's a long chapter. It's all about Jesus' resurrection. And then Paul goes on and on about eternal life, eternal life. Jesus is coming back, eternal life. This is the end of the chapter. I read these verses at funerals. Here's a scary thought. I'm gonna officiate some of your funerals. Woo, right? That's crazy. We live this life like we're gonna live forever. No, we're not. No, we're not. Do you want these verses to be true at your funeral? Check it out. When the perishable, that's the things that die, the things that pass away, have been clothed with the imperishable, the things that are eternal. And the mortal, the things that die, with immortality, the things that don't die. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Woo! I want that set at my funeral. Where, oh, death is your victory. Scripture is taunting death. It is trash-talking death. It is talking smack to death. Where's your victory, death? Where's your sting? Where are you at? It's real here. It says that sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. We have rebelled against God. There is a sting of sin. Verse 57, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen, Abiel. Amen. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want this true at your funeral? I want this true at my funeral. And I know it is. You know why? Because the tomb is empty. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Worship team, you can come back up. Tim and Dawn, you can come up. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. You may have seen it in the end zone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him, you gotta believe in him. 
You got to put that faith in Jesus. You got to say, yes, Jesus. It's not a blanket salvation for everyone. It's for those who believe. It is a free gift, and it's for you if you believe. Should not perish, but have eternal life. And I just want to say this on our grand opening on Easter Sunday. Do not leave here unless you have your faith in Jesus to give you this eternal life. We have those connection cards, pieces of paper. You can write right on there. We also are going to have some prayer team ready during this next song. Uh, I'm going to be available to pray. Mike is going to be available to pray back in that corner. Melanie's going to be available to pray back in this corner. And Noah's going to be available to pray up in this corner. So one person in each corner. You'll see the lanyard. You'll see me. You'll see Mike in his mosaic shirt. If you don't know Jesus, come to one of us. And we want to pray with you to bring you into faith in him. If you just need prayer, if you say, I'm struggling, it's been a long journey for me, and I need God's help in my life, come pray with one of us. Yeah. We're going to take communion right now. Adriel's going to lead us in communion. And we're going to do all this at one time, so get ready to worship God, get ready to come forth of communion, and get ready to pray with our worship team.